This is Sharon from the 2020 Farmers Co-op. You're invited. That's right. You're invited to join us for an hour of power to support and uplift black and brown farmers across the nation. Join us live via Zoom on December 30th, 2021 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or tune in and listen live on on thewakeupradio.com. Land is the basis of all to say a poem for us, just to open up a little bit of that. And then we will actually move to um, uh, the panel discussion. We will have um, Dr. Waller welcome us uh, a little bit later. How's that? Can we start off? Okay, and, and, and Dr. Waller can bring on our special guest, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jamerson from yes. Taste of the Garden Legacy. And yes. so we're excited about that. So Alana. <laughs> Alana's going to open us up. And I, I just want to say this. Alana is uh, a person, I'm going to say, uh, uh, a poetic, just going to provide us with some poetic justice. But more importantly, Alana is a chef. And so she understands why farmers are so, so very important. So Alana, please give us some of your grace and poetic justice. Good evening, mm -hmm. everyone. My name is Alana Adesofe, and the poem that I'll be performing for you this evening is called These Gardens Are Blueprints, and it's by Naima Pennyman. Every patch of earth unencumbered by concrete where soil and atmosphere meet be a portal to presence, a terrain of remembrance, a vote for survival in an unpromised future. These gardens our blueprints of interdependent destiny, intergenerational memories, saving seeds for food as remedy. See, my people know what it's like to eat and still be starving. So we turn in hardship into harvest, lawns and schoolyards into gardens, homegrown bounty in our palms. We come from soil and stardust, and so we conjure. We we give props to the magicians who grow provisions for our kitchens. We smuggle spinach into prisons, transform the places that we live in. We trade psychosis for symbiosis and stay focused. We sprout flowers that tower our neighborhood blocks, harvest raindrops on rooftops that water our crops, propagate plant medicine for the metropolis while guarding our plots. Because our gardens are not for a profit or loss. Cross pollinate, we got this, fam. I promise. Take a deep breath, restore calmness. With lemon bound bounty in our palms, hot peppers in our pockets, black eyed peas spiraling up Lenape blue corn stalks with buttercup squash carpets, three sisters, symbiotic. 
talking stories of solidarity on native territory. Migratory monarchs transcend borders. Morning glories ascend fences. Pay attention to the lessons that mother nature keeps expressing, how to multiply our blessings for justice and sustenance amid a glaring disparity. Every seed saved will set us free. In an age of opulence and scarcity, every seed saved will set us free. In a time of intensifying violence and climate calamity, every seed saved will set us free. So hold on tight to the source, because we have all we need. While there are many rivers to cross, our farmers have shown us the abundance of sowing seeds. Thank you. Oh, MD, that is awesome. Hi, right, guys, let's let's give it up for Alana. Why? <laughs> let's give it up That's for Alana. Snap, 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 snap. <laughs> All right. We we over our song. <laughs> yes, 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 That's yes. Beautiful. And Thank you, Alana, and that that is very poetic, and it is part of the struggle of the black farmer today across the nation. It doesn't matter whether you're east, west, north, or south; the struggle seems to be the same. But guess what? We are a resilient people. We are resilient uh, as farmers, and that is uh, where we want to be. And while we're here, part of the night um, is to talk about and collaborate with that resiliency. And so we do have a panel discussion here on the Wake Up Radio. We will have a recording of this so that everyone can actually hear uh, what we're talking about tonight. And that's on the Wake Up Radio. And Miss Cindy, who's the producer uh, of that show, um, is on. Hi, Miss Cindy, how are you? The co-host and producer of On the Wake Up Radio. And so, mm -hmm. um, you can actually see a re-recording of this on otwtube.com. And so uh, we thank Cindy and On The Wake Up Radio because uh, On The Wake Up Radio is a partner of the 2020 Farmers Co-op uh, to allow us to speak our truth. And so we're very excited about that partnership. Um, we're very excited about where we're heading here. And so um, we have some of our other panelists on here and I'm just gonna take the opportunity uh, to give a brief introduction, or at least a shout out. Uh, I know I saw Dr. Sonia Good, who is the uh, professor and one of the directors over the Department of Chemistry and Engineering from Texas Southern University. Um, that's one of our HBCU partners uh, on board, and that is a strategic uh, partnership that we have here. Let me introduce the Jamersons, who I think are an extraordinary pair. And uh, I want to also say this too, they can, if there's anybody out there, you can definitely, uh, we posted in the chat, I believe, uh, the link to onthewakeupradio.com. You can actually listen uh, to the recording or the broadcast, I should say, at this time. Uh, right now uh, live, but you can also uh, listen to the recording on OTW, otw2.com. But uh, I am very excited 
tonight to share with you our keynote speakers, which happens to be a husband-wife conversation. They have an anniversary coming up, so I'm going to say happy anniversary here in another week or two, 37 years of making it happen. But Mr. and Mrs. John Jamerson, John and Denise Jamerson are farmers down in Lyle, Indiana. It's called Lyle Station, Indiana, to be exact. And we're happy to have them there because they have embraced what we intend to do, what we will do at the 2020 Farmers Cooperative. And they have created a mantra, create, maintain, pass down, and continue. We want to create legacies. And the uh, Jamersons are actually doing that as we speak, and they will be collaborating with the 2020 Farmers Cooperative uh, to make sure that we are giving the best resources to black and brown farmers uh, as possible and bringing together the collectives. So I don't want to take any much uh, more of your time here uh, talking about Mr. and Mrs. Jamerson because I think they can tell their own story, um, but I am just incredibly honored that they uh, are going to share a little bit with us tonight and uh, potentially we'll have some questions that we can ask them. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. John Jamerson, John and Janice Jamerson, and I know I saw Mr. Jamerson on here uh, somewhere. So uh, John Jamerson and Denise Jamerson, they are now our uh, speakers and hosts. Um, yes, I am Denise Greer Jamerson, and um, I'm very happy to be here, very happy to be a part of this program and partners with um, the 2020. I'm excited about the things that's coming for Black farmers, the things that's happening for Black farmers. Um, as I said, my name is Denise Greer Jamerson, and I grew up in a place called Lyle Station, Indiana. It is known now as the last remaining African-American settlement in Indiana. Um, it still remains as an African-American farming community. Um, like I said, I grew up there. I grew up on a farm. Uh, my family is known. My father is known as um, he was honored as being one of the last remaining African-American farmers farming land um, that's been in our family uh, since pre-Civil War. And he was honored in the National um, African-American History Museum, Smithsonian Museum in Washington, along with Lyle Station. Um, Lyle Station um, Zenith had over 800 families. Um, we had our, we had the first uh, postmaster north of the Mason-Dixon line. We had um, schools. We had someone who worked for four different presidents from Lyle Station. We had our own store, our own, um, like I said, train station. We were our own community, uh, self-sustaining community for a while. But like all Black farming communities, um, the, the, I say it was the first gentrification that happened in the United States is when um, they told so told us about going to the cities and getting jobs and leaving our land and our farms. And now they they occupy a lot of our land and our farms and live very well when they sold us and told us to go to the cities. So as I said, my dad is still farming. He's 84 years old and he's still farming. So a few years uh, back, I recognized from growing up in, in on the farm and in the farming community 
that black farming was becoming a, a thing of the past. And from that point on, I took it upon myself and to, to start looking into um, how do we preserve the black farmer? How do we how do we go back to get people to go back to black farming? How do we how do we bring it to the forefront for the youth um, and and get them interested back into farming? Because for me, living on a black farm, growing up on a black farm, um, it was good. It was a good life. Uh, my dad, that's all he did. That was his occupation. There's a lot of people who. Um, have other jobs, but their main occupation is not farming. And in saying that, the life was good, but we still had our battles. We still had, you know, to deal with the um, non-lending practices. My dad, he also was a part of the USDA, um, uh, where the USDA took our land from us. Um, the USDA uh, tried to take our whole farm from us, but it was by the great we were a family that was able to continue with our, our farming and our legacy to continue farming. Um, the USDA um, now wants to kind of reconcile, but my father and the farmers that are still left in our farm still of the USDA, but at the same time, we can use the USDA to build ourselves back to where we were and then be more self-sustaining like Lyle Station was. Lyle Station is still there. It still has a museum. Um, my son has decided to take on the legacy and to continue the legacy for my family. My, my father did row crops or commodity growing. Um, he started with produce. I had uncles who done produce. Um, so the thing is, is, is that we have to show the goodness in farming. We, we are the people who were here, who were brought here for farming. So my advocacy and my voice is to, to, to be loud and clear about farm, black farming, the importance of black farming, the importance of our generations and the importance of legacy building, the resiliency of black farming. For my dad, when you say resilient, you have to, it's, it means community and connections. My dad learned from the, the farmers because when he grew up in the community, it was, it was still very much a self-sustaining community uh, from the point of there were farmers, there were lumbers, there, was, there were hunters, there was, you know, the whole community sustained itself and it wasn't bothered by uh, the, the racist, you know, we were in our own pocket. We're still in our own pocket and we have been able to survive flooding. We've been able to survive the USDA and it's because of the resiliency of community and connection. You know, there were other farmers that taught my dad. My dad didn't go to school to farm. It was something that was passed down for generation to generation. Um, like I said, my great, great, great grandfather started um, the, the farming in the family from raising horses and, and growing our own food and just doing things that, you know, were self-sustaining to sustain the families, buying land, giving land to the children, setting the land up so that the children could continue to survive off of the land. So, you know, there were other farmers that taught my dad how to, how to farm. And he took that and then they also were backing him. The community was proud of him. The community loved, you know, their, their own. And even with that, my dad purchased the school that the, 
that the um, county was getting ready to sell. And that's what we restored to preserve the history of Wild Station that, um, that you can go and visit. But it was, it's, it's all in community and connection. And I try to, as a girl, as a young girl growing up, there's nothing like your family makes you strong. So everybody um, supports everybody. Everybody gets behind everybody. Everybody barters with everybody. No one lacks in the community because everyone is there doing their part in, in, in their capacity. So if you wasn't a farmer, um, like my dad would say, there was someone who had a lumber mill, who their family did the lumber. You know, So Lyle Station in itself is, can be a model um, that is still standing that people can see and that people can can acknowledge and know this is this is where we were. This is how we can survive. This is what we need to do. Um, so in building like legacies, like we said, like I said, my thing is is to number one help people who want to learn how to farm, um, help people to understand the importance of farming and to entice the youth and to help them to know that farming can be your way. Farming is, is everything you can do. There's so many avenues in farming that they can tap into um, to make better lives for themselves and their, and, their, and their families. So I know that we're short on time, but that's a little bit about me and, and my passion my passion is to help people with the heirs property too, because it's just like in Lyle Station, there's a ton of heirs property that the generation before me, like my father or my grandfather, that that now they don't know how or what to do. So the thing is, is don't lose the land. That's the most important thing is to learn what we need to do in order to, to preserve the land, keep the land, and to encourage other black farmers and young blacks to come back to the land. So, um, and from that, like I said, my son has taken on uh, farming. He just graduated from Tennessee State University in agriculture because it's like I told him, my dad, when he was a child, he, he rode on the mule in the plow. And then as he got older, he, he made it big time by um, when it was industrialized, he had all the equipment. He has to come by three or four tractors. He employed youth in the community, but so he changed. So now we're at another crossroads on changing how agriculture looks. It's not going to look like my father did because of big ag. It's going to come back to more or less how my grandfather was, where you self-sustain. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to working with everyone. And if you have any questions, or if you ever want to come visit Lyle Station, um, I still reside in Lyle Station. My family is still there. And like I said, my dad is farming. So you can come and give us a visit. Plus, we have a museum there too. Thank you. And so um, um just want to thank everybody. If if I have uh permission, can I can I share my screen? All right. Uh so just give give a, a brief rundown of, of who we are, you know, when my son. Uh, saw what my, my father-in-law and, and everyone was doing uh, as far as uh, farming and stuff, and he decided to get into it. Uh, myself being, always being into business, one of the things that he asked me to do was to help him uh, in, in taking this to the next level. So we created uh, our own business, uh, Legacy Taste of the Garden. 
Uh, here's our information here, as uh, was mentioned before, uh, part of what we uh, do is called create, maintain, pass down and continue. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, Norman Greer, this is part of his family farm here. And uh, uh, when he was being featured in the Smithsonian African American Museum. Part of what we do at Legacy Taste of the Garden, we go from everything from seed to sale. Uh, and uh, we, we go along and we teach the different garden styles from raised beds to hoop houses or uh, high tunnels as some people call it to aquaponics. Uh, we uh, work with a lot of youth throughout the uh, state of Indiana from Evansville, Princeton, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Gary, um, and Bloomington. We uh, introduced them to the wide world of agriculture from uh, rodeos to marketing to urban gardens. Uh, these are some of the pictures we even took the, this uh, group of youth uh, full bus load to uh, Atlanta so that they could see what urban gardens look like there also. In uh, part of teaching their, the garden designs, we want them to be innovative. Uh, so we teach them traditional uh, gardening. We teach them bucket systems. We teach them aquaponics uh, because we want them to, to not be stuck in a rut of believing that uh, farming and growing could only be done one way. Uh, we teach various uh, growing techniques, as, as I said, through the traditional bucket irrigation, uh, we teach uh, urban garden classes and junior master gardening programs. Um, we also teach them about marketing because they need to understand that uh, this stuff doesn't uh, just uh, grow and, and you just get it. This is about making money if you want to sustain in this. And so that's part of the main thing that we try to teach them to do. Uh, we teach them to take pride in what they're doing, uh, to be able to know and understand what, what uh, they're selling to their customers to be able to explain those things. Uh, we have uh, 4-H groups that we work with. Uh, one of our members uh, had, had became a, a grand champion at, at the local fair. Uh, and we teach them about having mobile markets. Uh, we have them to, to do presentations, uh, uh, to uh, make sure that they know and understand what they're doing. The youth uh, are out there presenting uh, different things. They, we teach them canning, uh, how to educate the community, and most of all, about value-added. Uh, we have various partnerships that we work with, with uh, the National Black Farmers Association, Legacy Farming and Health Group, is, which is a group that was a spinoff from our Legacy Taste of the Garden, AgriAbility with Purdue Extension, Human Agriculture Cooperatives, um, many local organizations, churches, groups, and, and uh, hospitals in COBRA. Uh, and we definitely love working with our HBCUs, 1890s uh, schools. Um, this is part of what we do is, is to uh, make sure that, that we are providing these things. We have been awarded a couple of grants, a, a nine, uh, 2019 SARE grant and also a 2501 grant uh, that uh, took the group of uh, uh, legacy farming and health group, uh, and we created what was called the Life Project. Um, with this Life Project, uh, it was formed uh, in 2017, networking to support our farmers and communities. Uh, we have members in 35 states. We do Zoom meetings on the first and third Thursday of each month, uh, and uh, our thing is to collaborate. Uh, part of what we do also is, is to give back to the community. 
during the pandemic uh, in 2020. This is part of what we did was to go out there and make sure that these communities had food and had access to fresh uh, foods and, and things of that nature. And so uh, we would rent trucks and whatever was needed during that time to make sure that, that those communities had what they needed and make sure that they got it in their um, communities. Our thing is empowering the leaders uh, in our communities and working with them uh, to help develop any type of, of uh, gardening programs. Uh, our thing is, is not to just come into a community and take over, but our thing is to uh, come in and listen to what's being uh, asked, what the needs are in those communities and allowing them, empowering them to make their own decisions and have ownership in their communities. Um, as we said, the way we make it work is dealing with the grassroots. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we recognize that uh, we are just the tool. Uh, education is the key. As we say, teach them the fish. Uh, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him the fish, you feed him for life. Same thing with agriculture. Uh, the LIFE project, uh, the LIFE stands for Legacy, Innovation, Farming, and, and Economics, because we believe those are the key things that we need to be able to, um, to partner and, and to grow in this uh, area. Uh, we need to understand that we all have a legacy that we need to move forward. Uh, these are some of the uh, different uh, groups and, and organizations that are part of this. Uh, and they range from California to Virginia. Uh, uh, Pangea Farms is in uh, Atlanta. Uh, of course, we're in there. Um, and so this is part of our group. Uh, we were at the uh, National Black Farmers Association on this one, I believe. Uh, and this is part of the, uh, the individuals from the different groups. Um, part of what we do is, is uh, as we say, teamwork makes the dream work. And we support other organizations uh, such as this one here to, to, to work with them. We can't do it all. And so our thing is to uh, come out and assist. We're not in competition with one another. We're in support of one another. Part of what we do in this project uh, is to, to deal with young farmers, um, the youth veterans, urban farmers, disabled farmers, and ag-related businesses. We do training in hoop houses, uh, scholarships, uh, aquaponics, value-added. Uh, we have workshops uh, with the USDA and with uh, 1890 schools, 4-H, uh, farmers markets, and uh, different webinars. Um, our objective is for the socially disadvantaged and veteran farmers, and that's what they call us, so we, you know, we understand who we are. Uh, but our, our objective is to increase and introduce uh, and to uh, get involved and increase participation uh, our communities and growers with the USDA programs, grants, scholarships, and loans. Uh, and this just shows who, who we target with those things. Uh, our Chef Joseph out of Virginia, one of his main things is uh, a value-added program that teaches people how to go from uh, having a, a, a product that you make uh, to taking it to the market. And that's what we teach the youth. Uh, here's some of the different uh, programs that we've had. We've had Roots in the Soil uh, programs with uh, Purdue University uh, that uh, was one of their biggest things. Uh, we do webinar, I mean, not webinars, conferences each year. 
at different uh, 1890 schools. We're in our third year of this project. Our first one was at North Carolina A&T. This year we were at uh, FAMU. Uh, this year coming up, it's not confirmed, but I'm gonna say it and, and hoping that uh, uh, it'll come true. Uh, but I, we would love to have it at my my son's uh, school, uh, uh, Tennessee State. But we have a, other, a few others that are in, in the works just in case that doesn't happen. I uh, would love to have uh, this group as a part of that group uh, to come out and to share with uh, our farmers and growers in, in those uh, communities. Um, this is who we are, uh, Legacy Taste of the Garden. Uh, we, you'll see in the lower right corner, there's a, a new conference that we're working on right now called Indiana Black Loom. And I don't know if you guys can see it, um, but Indiana Black Loom is a, uh, a conference that we have here in Indiana. Uh, and we're gonna have it in Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Gary, and, and Chicago. And uh, I mean, not Chicago, um, Bloomington and Evansville. And uh, it is going to bring in the local USDA agents to those areas to get them to uh, explain their programs and to also sit down and walk the people through the applications and things of that nature to get them introduced to those individuals so that they can begin to build that relationship. Uh, we'll have people in there teaching about finances, uh, banks and uh, different organizations that will teach about uh, business planning and strategies. Um, that's basically um, who we are in, in a nutshell. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a farmer from, from, um, from the beginning, I'm a city young man, and um, and uh, you know, but I I am a, an advocate uh, for our people. Have been that way for a while, and um, anything that I can do to help, uh, that is what I'm here for—to help out and to make sure that we uh, are able to grow. And so, um, just want to thank everybody and begin to have our Q and A session. So, if there's any questions. All right. Thank you, Denise and John, um, very much. I, I'm just so proud of Lyle Station because uh, before a few months back, I was even unaware of Lyle Station, Indiana, and the significance it has had in our Black agricultural arena. So I want to thank them. And if you have any questions, any questions for John or uh, Denise, if you could put it in the chat for us. Uh, we'll make sure that we get those questions answered here. Um, I think I want to bring the panelists on um, and talk about some of the things that are affecting Black farmers and farmers uh, alike across the country. And we have three panelists on here. So who we will hear from, we will hear from Dr. Deborah McCullough. Uh, Dr. McCullough, let me throw it over to you, and then I'm going to have you toss it over to Dee Morton. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. As Ms. Mallory has reiterated, I am Dr. Deborah McCullough, and I have, I'm right now a, um, I'm transitioning from medicine to another area that has helped me and made a lot of interest, which is in the agricultural industry. I started gardening and uh, I've gardened 
vegetables. I've started with livestock. And all of this is a great contribution and a great effort to me as a human being. But in doing all of this, I had to do some research. And in doing the research, I said, now, why is it that there aren't that many farmers around? Why do we not have a lot of farming areas in Northwest Indiana or just in Indiana itself? And then I came up on one of the biggest product problems that we do have in farming and it's called agricultural dumping. What is agricultural dumping? Well, let me start off with the fact that during the Trump administration, we were threatened with cracking down on foreign steel and we were being inundated with cheap steel and he didn't like that. But dumping, it became dumping of steel. But now we have this agricultural dumping, which is the practice of importing and exporting goods with prices that are lower than the country where, or the area from which the goods are produced. And then we also end up having to sell them at a lower price. So as a black and brown farmer, we are sort of um, devastated from both ends. We're sold at a, the product at a lower price, and then we sell at a lower price. Now, how did all of this start? This has been going on for years, eons. And what we have to do as black and brown farmers is to form these co-ops or to join these co-ops and legislatively change the laws that cause and make us more resistant to being denied prices on our goods. We have to stop this dumping, we have, which increases the, the inequality between farmers the north side, the north global farmers, as well as the southern farmers. It worsens our income. It increases the diversity in all of our farming. We have the ability to change this in the United States. And that's one of the reasons we have the 2020 Farmers Cooperative. I'm gonna send this, I'm gonna, change over to Deborah Morton now, and she will give you a little highlight on what we can do to better our farming. Okay, Debbie? Hey everyone. Um, my name is Debbie Morton. I am the CEO of More Industries. I am a board member of the 2020 Co-op. <clears throat> and um, I, I'm into farming, but I, I'm a very new farmer. I started farming about two years ago um, in Virginia. We, my family inherited land that my grand, great grandparents purchased in 1906. Um, <clears throat> farming is very new for me. Um, one of the things that I've learned about farming is the justice of farming. So what is land justice and why is it needed? because land is powerful. 
even though corporate corporations have been uh, spent decades uh, stripping black and brown farmers of their land and farmland, <clears throat> black and brown farmers have a rich history, uh, promising future in the US, even though the black and brown history of agriculture is often reduced to slavery, farming while black, uh, the justice for black people and farmers <clears throat> are required. Um, we just have to learn more about uh, farming itself and get farmers very, um, I guess, interested in farming. Um, the history of agriculture is the new experience that we have in the world and getting um, in touch with the farming. Um, one of the things that I've learned about uh, farming is that even though it is, uh, we have ingest, we can, we can use our land and um, as people coming together, we can also, numbers are powerful, numbers are very powerful. So we definitely have to get together and making sure that we, um, we hold on to our land. One of the things that um, my grandparents always said is that, you know, they wanted to make sure that we hold on to the land. Um, the injustice of, of farmers is, is there. I mean, we just can't get around it, it's there. But with numbers and us staying together and being, um, holding each other accountable is a great opportunity for us to have a power and have a, um, a big power in, in getting the farms in, in this area, I mean, this world. One of the things that um, I really learned about farming is um, black and brown farmers are decreasing tremendously. Um, I know that in 19, I think it was 19, in the 1920s, it was uh, like 14% of black and brown farmers have farms. And, and started in 2017, it's down to 2%. So we're decreasing tremendously. And I think that now that more farmers, black farmers are interested in farming, we definitely have to keep each other accountable and keep each other lifted and keep each other interested in farming because farming is everything. We eat, uh, the clothes that we wear comes from a farm. Um, we, as more industries are growing industrial hemp. So we just started that in about two years ago and even getting into that particular um, area of farming has been a lot of injustice. Um, you have to make sure that you have all your I's are dotted and all your T's across. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I encourage farmers is to, you know, together we, we can make a difference. Um, we wanna make sure that one of the things that the gentleman said earlier that I've always, uh, wanted to make sure that people understand is that we're not competing with each other, but we're definitely support, wanted to support each other. So that's all that I have to say. Um, I guess we just making sure that farmers, uh, especially black and brown farmers uh, support each other. Um, 
and be there for each other and then encourage each other. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak. All right, thank you, Dee Morton. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, if you have not uh, gotten your spirits for the holiday, uh, New Year's coming up, uh, we're gonna put down in the chat um, more industries as a brand that they launched this year, uh, Tusk Brands, which is a hemp infused uh, craft liquor. Uh, one is a vodka, one is a rum, absolutely fantastic. They've been going across the country doing tastings. Uh, the co-op has been assisting and pushing them out. So we're very excited about that. And uh, I will make sure that gets in the uh, chat. And so we're gonna bring up next Dr. Sonia Good, who is one of our partners from the Texas Southern University. And I am so very grateful that they are partnering with uh, the 2020 Farmers Co-op, and I think it's very important that we understand who TSU uh, is, what they have to offer, and uh, what we envision uh, moving uh, forward together uh, in collaboration. Uh, Dr. Sonia Good, are you up and available? Yes, there she yes, is. I'm here. <laughs> so I was having some technical difficulties. I'm hoping we can work through this, so I'll just try to be quick. Um, so first of all, I just want to introduce myself to the 2020 Farmers Cooperative. I'm Dr. Sonia Good of Texas Southern University, and I am the interim chair of the Department of Chemistry. I also work alongside uh, Dr. Bobby Wilson, and Dr. Bobby Wilson, he started the environmental research uh, laboratories at TSU, you know, way before I got there. Um, this is a this is an area where students can come in and get a, either either a master's or a PhD. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's it's pivotal that we understand, you know, more about the crops um, and how those crops are grown. And one way of doing that is actually looking at the soil quality. So that's what this lab can do. This lab can also look at the crops as well. Um, we can also look at the air quality. Many of our students uh, research this, you know, from time to time where we have the instrumentation uh, where we can look at heavy metals. Um, we can look at some, um, we can, we can look at some um, organochlorides as well. So these are toxins that are in the pesticides through using the GC mass spec. But we're looking to bring more instrumentation into the laboratory so that we can look at the uh, potency of the products. We can look at the terpenes because you want to test that as well for, you know, of course, your, your flavor. Um, we want to look at the pesticides that are being used. And, you know, it's, it's, you, it's interesting that, you know, with the pesticides that we're still using in the United States, uh, many of these things are banned uh, overseas, internationally, but they still exist in the United States. And so we can test to see if there is a presence of that. Um, we can also look at the nutrients as well. So, you know, of course the, the nutrients meeting like our essential vitamins, 
uh, we can look at those um, through our instrumentation that we have. So we're interested in helping, you know, collaborate with through our partnership, um, the quality, the quality of the soil, the quality of the product, uh, even the, the quality of the air, if need be. The, and also, don't let me leave out the water. That's important, too, as well. Um, so, so I just wanted to share those few things with you. And I know that I'm going to be working um, more closely with you. So we're working on some things, developing a few things that are to come. But we want to serve as your hub and knowing more about the quality of, of the products that you all grow. All right. Thank you, Dr. Sonia. Just a, a little bit of the opening for us here, um, but we are truly excited about all that TSU is going to bring to the table. I think it's a great opportunity. And uh, as we all know, uh, food is health and health is life. And so those are interconnected and we need to understand what's going in our food. And that actually starts from understanding the genetic makeup that we're going to be utilizing in the seeds uh, that we plant. So it's extremely important that we understand that and we have control of those genetics. And TSU uh, has the testing capabilities to find out what exactly we are using and uh, how we can improve it or do what we need to do to make sure that we have quality. And so uh, I'm going to toss it over to Dr. Milley because we have um, uh, something very important to share with everybody. And I know it's getting late at the hour, but uh, we just want to share this and make sure uh, that people are aware uh, why we're doing what we do. Dr. Milley. Thank you. And um Valerie, I'm going to invite you to please um, uh, share your um, uh, the the PowerPoint presentation with me with me from the one yes that we have. It's called Many Rivers to Cross. Listen, guys, um, hello everyone. My name is Dr. Millie Johnson, and I am the CEO of Sahura High Impact Consulting. And what we do is we raise money, we raise funds for to 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 support causes like 2020 Farmers Co-op. We are about making a difference for people around the world. I mean, definitely focus on the black and brown farmers in the United States. So this conversation is about creating a multi-use rural and urban training academy for black and brown farmers across the United States, beginning with our own communities here in the DMV, or in the Southeast and the Northeast regions of the United States. And I have the privilege and uh, the honor to represent and work with 2020 Farmers Cooperative, led by Dr. Deb, Dr. Brenda Waller, and Sharon, Ms. Sharon Mallory, and Dr. McCuller, and all the other wonderful leaders, um, board members that you've heard tonight. And what I want to share with you is a few things. Uh, one, black farmers in America have more than 12 million acres of farmland since 1950s. So black farmers own, right? So just one, so one second. So I'm just setting this up. So many black farmers do not have clear titles to their land, which makes them eligible for certain USDA loans to purchase livestock and cover costs of farming. 
discrimination started a century ago with a series of federal homeland acts that offered mainly white settlers deeply subsidized loans. So in other words, black farmers has been at a disadvantage for years, but that's not why we're here. We're here to call to action because the 2020 Farmers Co-op and the group of, of people that are on this webinar with me have decided no more. We have started what is called a capital campaign. And, and what is a capital campaign? It's a targeted fundraising effort designed to raise funds for a specific project, often used to support building projects and large construction development plans, such as the 2020 plan to build an academy. Yes, we are planning to build an academy. What is it going to be doing? Training academy, a training academy, and a, a, a life center almost for, for farmers. So the, the purpose and the reason for this um, development is to purchase and develop centrally located property to house our national headquarters, facilities and research and development fields and create best practices for testing crops, structured to accommodate livestock and designated farmland for training and production. In other words, we are, we are gonna be a one-stop shop all farmers across black and brown farmers and indigenous farmers across the United States. We want to create new opportunities for our members to participate in the farming industry, to raise crops and livestock, to make a profit and build wealth through meaningful participation in local, state, and natural international commerce. We want to advocate for the author to draft, to, ad, to advise and sponsor legislation designed to keep existing farmers on their land and to create avenues for new farmers to obtain, maintain land and otherwise participate in the farming industry. And another is to create economic development opportunities designed to make farming a viable location in which farmers can maintain a respective livelihood, create wealth and live a legacy and leave a legacy for their families and future farmers. In other words, the 2020 Farmers Cooperative have a plan. The next slide, please. Case number one, we have a case and a reason to develop this capital campaign. And the case number one for a campaign that's gonna raise upwards of $100 million to make this happen, it's one, one thing that is the most important, self-reliant. We are one to teach black, brown, developing farmers how to become autonomous, how to gain financial capacity to, to make it happen, technological capacity. We visited with the University of District of Columbia recently, that's Sharon and I, and the technological advancement in farming at that university is outstanding. But now how do we get it to the Black talk to the farmers that's in need. How do we get it to the small farmers that's outside of agribusiness? And another thing is we need to have machinery. The, 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 the technological advancement in machinery around farming is incredible and impressive. And yet we do not have access to that. So case number one is self-reliant. Now let's get to case number two. What's the case for the capital campaign? Sustainable agriculture. 
we need to have systems that are agile and resilient, meaning food systems. We are actually working right now within the, within the District of Columbia um, to actually bring, pull together what we call a food access plan to give access to low-income families to food that's going to make a difference for them. And this system will be, we will build a brick and mortar food mart and have a rolling, a rolling system that's going to drive, drive around in the local communities and actually help to create um, sustainable food systems for low-income families. And then, of course, we will have food systems in place that will make a difference for all people across the United States. But they have to be not the old-fashioned ways of operating. We need innovation, creativity, different ways of doing things, and we're bringing this into the academy. So if we create an academy and we can teach this, this is what this, is what this capital campaign is about. What we are what we're striving to raise, upwards of $100 million. Yes, it's a big sum, but there's a lot, trillions of dollars available for, ag for agricultural um, advancement in the United States government. Black and brown farmers, we need access to that. So we're gonna also teach sustainable agriculture by unleashing the natural power of plants and help to, to, have, to, help to provide more yield and yes, fertilizers. Yes, we want to be organic, or you know, and holistic, and in our approach to the work we are doing. And so that's what we will be teaching in in this um, uh, development project. So let's go to case number two for the capital campaign equity. Like I said before, addressing government sanctioned discrimination. Do you know that this is this is I mean, from the history of this the development of farmers across the United States especially those in the South has been discrimination based on the government sanctioned discrimination that's been put in place and yet no one speaks about them or when we do, no one is listening. We wanna gain access to government subsidies. Like I said before, I happen to know that there are trillions of dollars put aside for, for, for farming, for the farming industry. How do we get close to access to those monies? We can do that. So in other words, we plan to dismantle the plantation system that was put in place hundreds of years ago. It's, it's over. It's, in other words, it's, you know, we, we, that's, we call that cancel, cul cancel culture. We are canceling that culture. And the other thing we are canceling is farming while Black. And Black people have had to fight segregation for years, and I went, I worked upstairs years ago with a group called the Daughters of Sarah. These are all women who are African-American women who spent years on the farms. They were, the families moved to the upstate and this, this work on the farm for them was a big deal because they had to fight so many different types of brutality working as, you know, because of the color of their skin. It's over, that's another cancel culture. Now, we need to have access. Capital campaign, we are going to do what it takes. So what's case number three? Salary, education. So how, 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 how healthy is the soil we have access to? Oh, no, we, we actually want to gain 
access to soils that are healthy. How do we know that? We have to teach what it is to have a healthy, healthy soil. As a matter of fact, our, our associations and collaborations, the 2020 Farmers Cooperative, no planning to, to work with the HBCUs in, um, in this area and all across the country. We have an, uh, uh, the Texas um, University as well. These are all schools and colleges, universities that are planning to help us teach, educate farmers, black and brown farmers to do, to use high tech and to use different learning crops to create regenerative agriculture. We wanna also access remedial relief and we want to help them improve their technological practices and to have the space and equipments in a building where anyone can come and learn. And then we help them acquire those equipments on their properties. That's the plan. We can show what it's like, teach, educate, and then that's what's next is to help them get it established on their property. And so that's case number four. What's the case number five, Valerie? The collective. You see, farming, farming black and brown farmers collective across the nation is what is important. The 2020 Farmers Cooperative is one of them. But we need to have them join us. But we need to have more collectives across the country that are our neighbors, our collaborators, our partners is expanding this work across the nation. And we need to be, have to build Black-led food systems, meaning just not just one type of people doing the work or is, it, is showing up as the leaders. The Black-led food systems is important. We want to stand with young and eager farmers. There are young people now taking to the land. Education is important. And they say, let's take this education and, and, and turn it onto, into the land and create holistic, nutritious food, food that is nourishing for the body so that we don't have to be the statistic that the report that says Black people, the majority of people in the country who die from diabetes and, and blood pressure are the you know, people, Black people because we don't know and we're not eating healthy. Well, guess what? Young people... The millennial people are trying, are working to change that. And so we are planning to launch and to acquire actually first and then launch 250 plus acres of land in Virginia. We want, we are actually going after getting that plot of land and we are then going to build a development project on that land that will have, we, we would love to have a picture of it to show you what it is coming. We will have a conceptual drawing of it pretty soon. I mean, it's in the works. But the, 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 the way it's going to show up is that we will begin, we will have the offices and uh, the training grounds and this, this classrooms and, you know, building on those, that property that will be where people come to learn. But we'll also have, you know, spaces for to, to house and to, to house different technological equipments and um, the tractors and the, um, the different things that's needed for agriculture. We have a whole array of, um, of things that's necessary to, to have this farming uh, development project be the talk of the nation. 
because we are that we can do it. And so one more, go to the next slide, uh, Val, please. Um, yes, what's the expected results? What are some things that we want to see happen is that over the next five, four to five to six years, we want to have, we want to create tireless entrepreneurs. We want to define that people just want to be entrepreneurs and be on the land and making, creating food in abundance. We want to create a guidebook for federal programs that will grant us access to the money we need. We're going to create also a farmer farmer-owned software. Software, we're gonna, be, we're gonna join the, the millennium, we're gonna join the young people and create software that will make a difference for farmers because that's what is keeping the other people ahead of us, right? And then we're gonna build fundamental marketing practices. Gotta get it out there. Food safety trainings, water training practices, all of this, will be part of what it is that is important to the 2020 Farmers Co-op. I have the privilege and honor of being part of this movement. And what I say to you is this, it's important that you join us. The best thing in the world that will make a difference for what we are up to is to go to the chat right now and click on it. We are making a request. Give us something. Donate. The chat is a link to GoFundMe. We have an account there. Be someone. We, we want you to be to be to become someone who is an activist. And what do I mean by that? Do you know that giving is a form of activism? When we want to make change, when we wanted to get President Obama to the White House, guess what? People from all across the nation gave $10, $20, $30 every month. They set it up because there was there's a sense of righteousness that does right there. We have got to put a black person in the presidential seat. We have got to get in through that the way we need to, to get. Guess what? I'm asking you to do the same thing. You know, it starts with the $20, the $30, the $10. It starts with you being willing to give and become an activist who gives. Listen, we can talk, we can say all the things in the world. We can actually be that it's not possible. But you know what? That's all talk. We've been doing that. What we can do, though, is act. The only way to make a difference and to be responsible for the turnout and for the way farmers and turn of tide and way the ways farmers are treated in this country is for each and every one of us to take up the mantle and become an activist. And the way to become an activist is starts with giving. Please, the link is in the chat. Stop what you're doing right now and just go to that link and give us something. And make a commitment. We have a ways to go. And I know that Ms. Sharon Mallory and Dr. Waller and Dr. McCullough and each and every one of the leaders of 2020 Farmers Co-op, they're ready. And so do I have another, another link after that? Do you have the final link? Uh, well, yes. The summary, here it is. 
we our song, our logo, the 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 event tonight is based on the song "Many Rivers to Cross." And as you listen to the song, you know that the words are powerful. We have many rivers to cross, but not just the rivers, right? Guess what? It's a it's a, there's a synonym synonym for many fields to plow. We got many fields to plow. We have so much land to cultivate. We've got a lot of land. We have much terrain to navigate. We have much ground to break. As, as farmers, or people who love farmers, or people who are about to become farmers, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new lands, but in, in seeing with new eyes. We've got to look at this with new eyes, guys, because the only way we're gonna make it happen is to be in action. No more talk. So my call to you tonight is to give. I'm turning you on to generosity. Give, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Billy. Thank you. And thank you for each and every individual who joined us this evening. And as Dr. Millie says, uh, it's not about talking and, and conversation anymore. It's being very strategic and that activation begins with giving. And so as we say at my house of worship, it is not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And everybody has a different level of what they can give, but financially, if you are able, uh, we ask you to donate something to our cause because we need equipment, we need processing facilities, and we have to do this across the country. And so I just want to thank everyone on behalf of the 2020 Farmers Co-op Board of Directors and every member of the 2020 Farmers Co-op. And so we look for collaborations and individuals to join us in this movement. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, be safe and mask up. So we will leave you with, I'm sorry, go ahead, Valerie. No, uh, no it was me, I was just saying, Valerie will leave you with little music. So as you mm -hmm. as you log off, just be in the spirit of the holidays and thank, and I wish everyone a happy new year as well. Go ahead. Be safe, mask up. Love having you. You're at the top of my list. Cause I'm always thinking of you. I 
still remember in the days when I I thank you for joining us. I see familiar faces. You must have known that I feel yes, uh, to Matthew. That's when you opened up your heart. You for coming on. Everyone who's on that I don't know, welcome. Lloyd Walker, Mr. Mrs. Charlie. Debbie Morton. Dr. McCullough, Valerie, thank you so much. I really thank you for this, the, the great work and your, just your demeanor, your ability. It's outstanding. I also want to thank Rob Triplett, who is on my team. Thank you for being here. And Michelle Bergens, thank you for joining us. And um, despite the technical difficulties, I learned, I learned a lot actually about this tonight that I, I did not realize and so we will have another one and another one and another one because this is only the beginning i want to special give a special thank you to to mr john jameson who joined us last minute and it's so great what you're up to i can't wait to do business with your work with you and denise it's the um black state Mr. King, thank you for being here, Mr. Lloyd Walker. Um, I'm going to go ahead and shut down this pretty soon, so we have another five minutes before we will be shut down completely. So I just want to make sure if you have anyone have anything they'd like to say, please do so as we roll off. Um, Miss Dr. Miss Deborah Martin, it was so great to hear you. Thank you. And um, we will be wrapping up shortly. But a few more minutes, we will shut down completely. There's a question. There's a question, Dr. Early, from uh, Iris Lee. Okay, what's the question? I'm in Wisconsin. There are, there are only a few peers in my state. Only a few what? Peers? Peer, peers. Oh, peers. She, she also says she had issues with her local FSA office regarding equipment and NRCS. Any pointers for improving a relationship that has been resistant? Okay, could you please ask her to put her, put her contact information in the chat? Um, can, is, she, is she still on with, with us? Yes, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Please invite her to please. Everyone, if you have questions or concerns or want to join the movement, please put your contact information in the chat. I will definitely get back to you. Okay. We will reach out. Thank you for being a part of us, and um, I will say that it's the, this, sometimes it's the small things that try to stop movement, right? And we will not let technology do that to us. The small things will not stop the movement. 
we will definitely make sure this is done again. And this time we will, we will get the technology correct. Well, uh, Dr. Millie's, the song I'm playing for you is right now. I'm playing this one for you. Thank you. Thank you. I love this one. I will survive, right? <laughs> we will survive. Yes. Technology okay. monsters. We will. Yes, those technology monsters. Okay. So in another minute, I'm going to shut down. So let's keep that song rolling out. Really cool. And thank you, everyone, for being here once again. Thanks for your help, Ross. You are welcome. It's my absolute honor. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'll I'll see you soon. I, you know, I'm sure each and every one of us, our paths will cross over the next couple of years, over the next couple of months, even the, the, over the next couple of weeks. So thank you very much once again, Valerie, for the best. Gem, thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, guys, thank you. Good night, everybody. Happy Good night. New Year. Happy Good night. New Year. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Sing the Ashman Duck 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 Ashman